To begin. Are you watching closely? To begin. Clytus, I'm bored. How to start? What plaything can you offer me today? In Life Itself, a memoir, Roger Ebert begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it. The audio surrounded me. Molded by it. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. Welcome to the first syllable. This week, probably going to be short because I just want to tell you about a few things and then I wanted to give you a for instance. First, three things. Three terms. One came up in my blog probably almost immediately nine years ago. Phil Connery, which is essentially what Phil does to Nancy Taylor. Find out information about someone, use it the next day in your loop to manipulate them. Definitely going to use that in my script. Another one, I've mentioned it on Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute podcast, but I don't think I've said it anywhere else. Time loop stupid. Also, subset, TV tropes, pay attention, you can add these. Time travel stupid, which is where you think you're in a time loop, or you've time traveled, and you do... What day is it? The date! 12, May, Thursday. What year? The Coyotes thing. It's not how you find out. Check a newspaper. Just wander around and kind of gauge it. Reese, I guess, he maybe thought he had a short time frame. So he was in a hurry. He was eager. He was desperate. And he was from a future where they didn't necessarily have newspapers and other things with dates on them. But if you're in a time loop, you don't be like, wasn't that yesterday? Didn't we do this yesterday? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> don't mess with me, pork chop. <sighs> what day is this? It's February 2nd. Groundhog Day. No, it wasn't. Catch the fuck up, okay? Time loop, stupid. Then I had this other one the other day, and I know it's this is gonna come up in my script because I want the script to involve people talking about actual things and actual issues. And this was a weird one for me because I'm like, this is the kind of thing people will call like woke or something in a derogatory way. It's similar to the Phil Connery thing. Time loop roofie, which is where in a previous iteration of the loop, you had sex with this person. The current version never did that with you. So what is the moral or ethical quandary of holding that over them? Telling them about it. Assuming you could do it again. It's the whole Phil Connor scooting in on the snow to try to kiss Rita a second time. Things, oh, it, I, it happened last time. I had consent, and we're in again. We're looking at the, basically having a conversation in the film about affirmative consent. The other thing I wanted to do this week, told you to be brief, half the show's already done, is give you a for instance. These are the kinds of things that I stick in my notes when re-watching time loop things lately. This is for the map of Tiny Perfect Things, which I re-watched recently to take notes, and then just this week, as I'm recording this, 
It was the time loop of the week on Groundhog Day Project, minute by minute. It's actually interesting to look at the notes after I've made them because it's like I found there was an interesting line of dialogue and I'm like, that'd be cool. And then now I look at it, I don't know where that will fit, but we'll see. First one, uh, I got a kind of Sherlock thing. Then someone responds, I love that show. The game is afoot. And I'm like, eh, it's not as good as some other stuff. I was just intrigued by the whole Sherlock reference because I think I've mentioned this. I said last week, refrain of the show is going to be, I think I've said this before, this show itself is a time loop, you're welcome. This is a time loop that takes place in the present, so you have access to all streaming services, which means if you get bored, you just hang out in your hotel room or your wherever, and you watch things, because you can watch whatever you want, and maybe Sherlock is a thing where he's just watched it for the first time because someone said they liked it, and so he goes and watches all the episodes and then shows up the next day, ready to have a conversation. Second note is a watch on the inside of the wrist, which checks time off, and this was Mark, male lead, has that. He has the watch that keeps checking for the time. I think I do need a watch for, specifically a reference, the watch for Connor, and that could tie into the part of the story that I haven't actually figured out yet because it hasn't come up in a time loop movie for a good reference, is what is his relationship like with his parents. I've said this is four characters getting back together after years. I mean, they've stayed in touch, but maybe haven't seen each other on a regular basis. They're getting together on the weekend of a high school reunion, a friend's wedding, a bachelor party. It's a busy weekend. And for Des and T, they moved to New York right after high school to try to make it in theater. Ro, she ended up in Seattle, and so they're all coming back home. Connor, I think, is a here a lot, but I don't know if he lives here. I have a line from a different time loop about that maybe implies he might live in Pacoima, which for those anyone listening not in LA, that's outside of LA, but not that far. And so I think he has to have a sense of time and place. Is he back staying at his parents' house for the weekend? Or is he at a hotel, but he will visit his parents because unlike Phil Connor's outside Danny Rubin's original script, Phil doesn't visit his family or deal with his family. In the original, of course, he did visit his mother, flew to Cleveland, and talked to her. And she calls him on it because he only shows up to talk to her when he needs something. But I'm saying this could link to that is that maybe that watch is also got its own sort of place in the story as maybe it's an heirloom, you know, belonged to his father who died. Maybe that's part of why Connor is who he is, why he hasn't been making the most of his life. I don't know. Part of the story I haven't figured out yet. Next one, a line. Wait, wasn't that a movie where Bill Murray's stuck on the same day till he has sex with his hot boss? Referencing Groundhog Day explicitly. And this will go in my many versions of notes of talking about deja vu and the time loop and all that. Whether this specific line makes it, I don't know. Next one, version of this will definitely make it in. Dude, you'd get like infinite do-overs. You'd just iterate. Straight A-B testing. Right, if there's infinite do-overs, then sooner or later it has to happen. Just like, mathematically. Maybe it's like pi, though. Just goes on forever. There could be infinite ways for you to not get laid. That's pretty funny. I added tuba lessons in addition to piano. A lost dog, which I don't know if I need a lost dog. I gotta double check whether they name the dog once they find it in this movie. Whether it has a name, because I said previously... I need to have a scene at a dog park because so many dog names I got from things. We got characters named Mark and Margaret. I don't know if I need those. Dialogue. This is going to sound really strange. God, really bizarre. But are you experiencing any kind of temporal anomaly in your life? I don't think I can use that. 
because of the setup. I like the phrasing, experiencing any kind of temporal anomaly, but who's going to ask this? Of who? I don't know. Blocking a guy from bird pooping on him, fairly basic. There's a lot of versions of easy visuals for knowing what's going to happen. This is one. Christmas Do-Over has one where just holding some people back so they don't get bumped into by a kid on a bike, I think it was. Things like that. Simple. This one I love, and I must use it. I'm wondering if Marissa might be a sibling. Dialogue. You stole this car? I need it more than Marissa does. It's a good response. I mean, talk about seizing the day. The day's been seized. It's right here. It's waiting for us. That's funny. And throw in like a carpe diem before it, and you're making film references because I want to... It's a thing we don't get enough in movies. Movie characters don't quote movies. Much. I think partly it's a copyright issue, and if this ever actually made it to production, I'm sure there'd be some lawyers saying, no, we can't do all this. But in writing it, I don't care. I'm going to put them all in. And I think especially Connor and T are the kinds of nerds who would quote movies all the time. They'd quote comics. They'd quote books. It's how they talk. You don't understand, okay? I'm not like you. I don't want to seize the day. Oh, this is continuing. Sorry. I just don't want the day to seize me, okay? I'm just trying to get through this. So am I. Yeah. Loses a bit of the fun, but that's the point. Map of Tiny Perfect Things is funny, but it's also fairly dramatic, kind of sad. Can't keep hanging out with someone who's ignorant of basic logarithmic functions. I have no idea who would say that, but I just find that line funny. If I have the tattoo montage, Connor should definitely get the tattoo of the two dragons that Mark gets. Then. I have to pee, because beer, well, you should probably do that in the bathroom. See, it's funny, it's basic. And then this is science teacher after a conversation about the time loop, and a little put upon. I have to go do the same thing I did yesterday and then forget about it. Delivery can make that great. Then there's this montage, and I love this. I had to, like, slow it down and take notes on the details, because they're having a conversation as they do all of this. They pass a coat rack outside of a store. Margaret grabs a coat and hands it to Mark. He holds it up for her to put it on. They enter a record store. He takes a record from one guy, gives it to another. She tosses Mark a record. He passes it to the customer. He hands her another record. She hands that one to a customer and passes another to a guy about to check out. So basically shopping for people. And that's fun. Then they enter a restaurant through the back using a key code. Mark adds spice to a large pot, puts a lid over a fire in a pan, Sets a plate up to go. She takes it, then fingers some icing off a dessert being brought back into the kitchen and grabs a cocktail from a passing tray. All of that while they're talking. I love it. I feel like I'm living in an Etch-A-Sketch. Simple. Doesn't fit a specific sort of scene, but can be there. It's like it's shaken up and everything gets reset. It probably wouldn't be Connor saying it, but one of the others once they're in the loop, realizing what it's like. You know, even before this, I always thought there was something wrong with the world. Like, really broken. Not fixable. But nobody else saw it, so I just walked around pretending everything was fine. And then what happened? Nothing. I still feel like that. But with you, I don't have to pretend. See, that's nice. And that fits the tone of especially the last conversation in my script. Them hanging out, maybe before they run off to the karaoke bar, to sing the last few minutes away. We have all the time in the world. No, we don't. This is not time. Time is the stuff that when you spend it, you don't get it back. Yeah, I kind of like that. Imagine Des saying the first thing. Like, we could do whatever we want. We have all the time in the world. 
and Connor is starting to get realistic about this. He's like, no, we don't. This, is, this isn't real. Basic stuff, saving a cat from a tree, fun thing, dropping a lottery ticket on someone else's table. And if you've seen the map of Tiny Perfect Things, you'd know the map is a physical thing that keeps getting redrawn, and in the end, becomes a three-dimensional thing with strings and a bead, and I'm just imagining Connor making that, trying to solve something early in the loop, trying to figure out why he's there, and realizing there's no pattern. Or maybe it'll make a really funny pattern. Actually, that'd be funny. If the shape of the shadows on the wall is like a cross or a, a pentagram or something, <laughs> something strange. A heart. It's like, that's cheesy. I'm out. Yeah. Anyway, there's you for instance. Notes from Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Sometime during that movie, I thought of another thing. It may have been something that happened in that movie, I don't remember, but uh, occasional scars or bandages, even a cast late in the day. Which is, sometimes we'll see Connor and he's got a bandage. We don't have to know everything that happens. I want people to be looking for plot holes. And then I want those people to realize they have no idea what a plot hole is. Because people on the internet are stupid. Except for you, listener. You're the best. Uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. You still here? It's over, Johnny. It's over. It's over. Nothing is over. Go home. Nothing. You just don't turn it off. Go.